Lagos Talks 91.3 and Corporate Shepherds presents the man of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Enang. Welcome, my dear friends, to Navigate with I.D. It's such a pleasure to be with you today. As always, I'm grateful to God Almighty for this great opportunity to share and also to learn from you and to a large extent hear from you. Friends, you guys are just the best thing that could happen to anyone. You give me the inspiration. You give me that sense of a responsibility to come out every day to share the things that I can share from my experience and from the work that you know one has taken on by the grace of God. So this is a fresh week. And you know, for those that are joining us for the first time, we've been looking at the whole theme of the month around making life count. What other way could we possibly look at making life count? Last week was an amazing week. And this week I decided to take a journey into my past. And that past is exactly what I said. Going back into my archives with my notes, with books that really, in a way, transformed my thinking that led me on a certain pathway to validate the things that I was doing in the past. And now, in the present, I'm seeing those things at the past as being very essential and what you may call a sine qua non for my progress as an individual. And I'm grateful to God for the journey that I've spent. I'm grateful to God for the journey I've taken in terms of my life, in terms of my career, in terms of family, in terms of friends, in terms of relationships, and most of all, the ability to express myself on this platform. And I'm truly grateful. Now, in line with what I said last week, Thursday, today, I decided to take that journey back into the past. And guess what? One of the people that I always admired was Gary Kasparov. Many people may not even understand what I'm talking about. This guy was a grandmaster. He was the most successful chess player of all time. Gary Kasparov, at the age of 22, I remember, became a world champion in chess. If there are two things I'm going to tell you, friends, you probably have heard me say it many a time. There are two things that I love, that I watch, that I also do. One, I love watching mafia-related movies. Those mafia-related movies help me shape understanding of how to relate in a world that is evil, that is great, that is good, that can be very, very nasty, a world that can present anything at any point in time. But I tell you, when I have my best movie of all time, it still remains The Godfather. I still watch The Godfather like I'm watching today's Nollywood because that was the movie that set me on that pathway. And beyond that, if I'm going to watch movies, if you ask my wife, it has to be something to do with the mafioso. We'll take my list first. A second direction in terms of movies will be war. And you wonder, what is he doing with war? It's about the military. 
Those of you that have been with me for a while will always hear me talk about the military is an embodiment of leadership. It's an embodiment of strategy, tactics, and everything that you're looking for, most especially discipline. And so I've always loved it. So when it comes to watching movies, um, I watch those two are my primary targets because I learn from such movies. And if I look at this other part of my life, what would be that hobby that I love? Though I do not take into heart all the time, but I do it privately. Now, thank God for the ability for you to play against a computer. But in time past, it wasn't like that. It's the game of chess. Chess is one game that helps elevate everything that you have and puts you in a certain space that allows you navigate the world, navigate your space, navigate your environment better because of sensitivity, strategy, planning. Everything you find on a football pitch, anything you find on a basketball court, I tell you the game of chess presents all of that plus the boardroom. And so join me as I take you through this journey through my past in a way and manner that will also hopefully help you as I go back to my notes, I know I got this from my library and some of these notes that I made about um, 10, 12 years ago, um, I remember very vividly when I bought this book. I bought the book in Johannesburg. I think this must have been 2008. You're wondering how do I remember? Each time I buy a book, I put in the location, the month and the year because it is historical. It is tied to something that... I am actually walking through or doing. This particular time was very essential because it was at the time I joined Cadbury, Nigeria, and we're going through the whole transformation or trying to rescue Cadbury from the doldrums, and I was at the helm of affairs as commercial director. And so there were certain decisions that needed to be taken. And so as I came through the airports and I saw this book written by Gary Kasparov, the title... How Life Imitates Chess. That is going to form the context of today's program and probably this week because I want to be able to go into the world of chess and maybe have some of you convert you to become sensitive and to start playing chess. Chess is a game. It's not for minos, men. It's for folks that want to be strategic, folks that want to be able to walk in and walk out without being noticed. But every time and moment, it's the mental strength they're catching. The mental picture is forever intact. And that's what I'm going to invite you to as I go on this map of the mind and this little journey. Remember, we are talking about making life count. And here, I'm reviewing notes from the book that I read many years ago by Gary Kasparov, a one-time world champion of chess. So you can take it as personal lessons from the world champion. That would be a very good way, you know, to help you and I glean on some things uh, in the course of uh, of this whole um, show. Um, first and foremost, you know, I want to ask, do you know what makes you tick as a person? Do you understand what you can do to exercise the willpower that you have? So maybe I would put the question in another way. Is sport an art or a science, or a sport 
and art and science. Now, this is one of the things that Kasparov said then, Gary said. He said, if you, he says, and I quote, he said, if you ask a grandmaster, an artist, and a computer scientist what makes a good chess player, you will realize why the game is such an ideal laboratory for the decision-making process. The professional player is likely to agree with the second world champion. That was Emmanuel Lasker of Germany, who, amongst others, observed that chess is above all a struggle. No matter how you define it, the point is to win. Chess is a game that pushes you to win. That word checkmate is what you want to hear, is what you want to speak rather, rather than hearing it. Because the minute someone says checkmate, it means you are out. But if you utter the words checkmate, it means you are in. It means you've just conquered. And so permit me to go through a trajectory of taking it more than a metaphor and bringing in chess in a context that you will see how making life count, those essential ingredients which we are going to build on from the ones we talked about on Friday, remember on Thursday, I beg your pardon. Remember we talked about having clear goals, identifying and not tolerating problems, diagnosing problems to get at their root causes, and designing a plan. So I'm piggybacking on that space of Thursday to come into a new dimension using chess as my great opportunity. Now listen to what you know I wrote down in my notes. In one of the pages, I think it was in page 19, because I have it indented, Kasparov wrote, he said, We know computers calculate better than we do. So where does our success come from? The answer is synthesis. S-Y-N-T-H-E-S-I-S. Synthesis, the ability to combine creativity and calculation, art and science, into a whole that is much greater than the sum of its parts. So chess is a unique cognitive nexus. It is a place where art and science come together in the human mind and they are then refined and improved by experience. So if you're not a chess player, you're not going to understand what I'm saying. But I'm telling you that if you are a chess player and if you want to understand how life is being imitated through chess, then you need to become a chess player. You need to start playing chess. Good enough, you can download it from any device. Like I said, gone are the days when we used to walk around with boards. We didn't have all of this electronic media. When on the touch of your phone, your iPad, your device, then whatever you have, you can actually download a game of chess and play against the computer, the system, or an imaginary fellow who could be anywhere in any part of the world. And then you begin to move from level to level. But here's where I'm taking you because if you are a typical chess player, you will understand that every move you make needs to be calculated. You can't afford to just make a move and just say, "Mm, apologies to guys that play draft. Whenever I have a picture of draft, I just remember the people that pay house rent. Those days, those old men will sit down with the game. They'll put it here. Won't tell you. Jump, pa, pa, pa. Then the user and bets take pay house rent. So that took me on a very local context, and I never liked the game of draft until, you know, I met 
this great game called chess. So if I'm going to piggyback my lessons from that book that I read, from the most successful chess player of all time, he shared his insights into life as a game of strategy. I want you to see that making life count requires certain things, and chess can actually imitate or mimic that for you. And it's another way for you to begin to learn about the lessons that may come from this particular topic. So, moving on, I want you to understand that if I go within the context of taking chess more than a metaphor, it is a way we can improve at anything in our lives that involves thinking, which is more or less, I'm saying to you, almost everything. So, for example, a CEO, an MD, must combine analysis and research with creative thinking to lead his company effectively. An army general has to apply his knowledge of human nature to predict and counter the strategies of the enemy. Go ask the generals and the theater of war what they are doing op- Operation Lafayette Dole. Ask, and they'll tell you that in order to execute in that theater of war, the general has to apply his knowledge of human nature to predict and counter the strategies of the enemy. It also helps that we have a common vocabulary to work with. You'll be very amazed that if you get into the boardroom or you are getting into some very major sessions, you would have overheard discussions that refer to words like opening phase, sector vulnerability, sector jurisdiction, strategic planning, tactical maneuvers, tactical implementation. When you hear those words, you might assume a corporate takeover or even a military raid of sorts that was in the offing. But I want to let you know that all of those words could equally refer to any weekend chess tournament. Could be any time people are sitting there and going through a game of chess. Where am I heading to in all of this? What I'm saying to you that the fields of the business and military worlds are limitless compared to the confined 64 squares of the chessboard. The fields of the business, the fields of our endeavor and military, and all the worlds are limitless compared to the confined 64 squares of the chessboard. But it is due to its limited scope that chess provides such a versatile model for decision-making. There are very strict standards of success and failure in chess. If your decisions are faulty, your position will deteriorate and the pendulum will swing towards a loss. So how many of you today have made some very wrong moves? So many wrong moves. Each time you decide to move a piece on the chessboard and you do not think of the consequence, you will feel and hit the consequence will hit you immediately. Many of us today, rather than go back and have a rethink on that move. Now, I remember those days we used to have uh, Shalama. I think it was Shalama. Make that move right now, baby. Yes. So going into relationships, some of us guys have made the move because it's a man's place to hunt. Men are hunters, and I hope they can become farmers after they finish hunting. But many of them are still hunting. And that's why we have most of the problems we have in our society. Because men are not sitting down in a place of responsibility. 
don't come after me. I'm a man just like you, but I know that we have very many of our friends who have the same kit and kin called men who are not necessarily acting responsibly. Otherwise, why would we do the things that we do? It's unheard of. So let's go back to the subject in question. Remember, we're talking about mimicking life using the game of chess. And I'm going down memory lane through a process I took probably 12 years ago to buy a book and to read through it. And some of those notes are what I'm now rehashing and bringing to you live in 2020. So I was saying that there are strict standards of success and failure in chess. Very strict. There are rules of engagement. Every single piece on the chessboard, the knight, the rook, the bishop, the pawn, the king, the queen, each of those pieces have a name and they have a designated way they can move. Vertically, horizontally, diagonally. You cannot move any piece anyhow. That's why I said there are strict standards and those standards guarantee success at the same time they guarantee failure. How many of us sitting today within the space of making life count can really oppositely look at the chessboard and say, I am so versatile like a queen. The versatility a queen has also puts the queen in a place of insecurity, meaning a small piece, a small piece like a pawn can swallow a queen. All it takes is one wrong move. Mr. High and Mighty, Miss High and Mighty, Mrs. High and Mighty, you think you are the best thing that happens since sliced bread. For you to make life count is for you to understand that even the versatility of your office, your ability to do anything you like, is also subject to making a wrong move that will make you swallow a big, big, big consequence. And that consequence could lead to the most unheard of circumstances. And it's exactly the same thing as chess. If your decisions are faulty, they will start picking the pieces off the table. If a good player comes in and you make the wrong move and he sets a bait, a simple bait, and you go for it, he will then stand and pick up all your pieces. Because of that wrong move or decision, your position can deteriorate. How will it deteriorate? You'll find that all of a sudden, the pieces will reduce to nothing. And after a while, it's just a matter of time. We are going to hear the word checkmate. But if your position deteriorates and you can see the pendulum swinging towards a loss, then you know that you need to do something to make you turn around. Otherwise, if you look at the flip side, if your decisions are good, then you'll be swinging towards victory. What I'm saying to you, friends, is August 2020 presents an opportunity. We are in the eighth month of the year. You have four months to go. Every single move reflects a decision and with enough time. It can be analyzed to any form of perfection. These days, thank God for social media, thank God for technology. You can real-time do some analytics. 
You can also, just by wearing a little piece of a device on your wrist, wake up in the morning and it will tell you how many hours you slept well and how you slept. You can, by reason of a device, be able to design what you did well and what you didn't do well. Why are we not applying some of this technological advancements into some of the decisions we want to make? It's about understanding whether or not each decision was the most effective. Friends, I kid you not. This level of objectivity can provide a great deal of insights into life, into the quality of our decision-making processes. So if you're a guy and you are thinking about settling down and you want to get married, you cannot afford to look at every single lady that passes. You can't. You need to be focused. You need to be focused. And what does it mean to be focused? Take a camera. Just sit there and focus on one object and then you can zoom in and zoom out. But the aperture must sit on one. Even if it's a group, you must narrow it into your object and take a shot. What it means is that the move you're about to make, you must have weighed all the options that this lady I'm about to ask to be with me for the rest of my life. Will she compliment me? Will I be able to support and protect and keep her and nurture her like a farmer? That's why I said after hunting, it comes farming. If you do not go through that process and you come in and assume that it's just a move I'm making, just like the game of chess, you may have made the wrong move. Objectivity provides a great deal of insights into the quality of our decision-making processes. Some of us are playing in the stock market. The stock market and the battlefield are nearly as tidy. But it is important that we know as we're fighting insurgency, and then we are also fighting in the stock market. The bears and the bulls and all of them coming together, at the end of the day, success in these fields also depends on the quality of our decisions. Some of these decisions may not necessarily sit with you, the person investing, but it sits with somebody who can be seen in the midst of others. They call the board of a company. But even the board of a company is just a few set of people superintending over a vast organization. They are not there where day-to-day decisions are being taken. All they do, they, they bring out policy. But the way every staff of that organization goes about and decides on how to go about the work can ultimately tilt the way the stock of that particular company will go. It can either go up or it can go down. Just by decisions. Every decision is subject to comparable methods of analysis. So, I'm inching towards the middle of the road. What makes someone a better manager? A better husband? A better wife? A better father? A better mother? A better uncle? a better director, a better writer, a better chess player. What exactly makes someone a better ex? There is no doubt, friends, that not everyone performs at the same level or has the capacity to do so. What is critical is to find our own paths to reach our peaks, to develop our talents, to improve our skills, and to seek out and conquer the challenges we need to push to the highest of levels. And to do all of this, 
we first need a plan. So friends, we'll be back on the other side. I hope you've been able to follow me as I go on this very interesting piece using each single opportunity called the move to let you know that it's possible to mimic life just through the game of chess. Thank you very much. We'll be right back. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Thought leadership. Now, the questioning process is not complete if you don't confirm with the person you are questioning. Business ethics. Most organizations do not have what you call codes of business conduct. Personal development. My daddy will always tell you before you do so, ask why. Ask why. And much more. I want to appreciate all you are doing. Please keep it up. Tune in and join the conversation on Navigate with ID. You can also follow ID on Twitter at IDYNANG. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome back, my dear friends. I hope you enjoyed that piece of music. And then, you know, sometimes, you know, as I just reflected on the first half of this program, I said to myself that how on earth would I have imagined that 10, 12 years after I'll be taking out, you know, notes from a book I read and then, you know, trying to mimic life and being able to express it to, to people. Honestly, friends, whatever you're doing today, just know that it's a seed into the future. And that's the way I can summarize this. And just in case you're joining us for the first time and you're wondering, okay, what is it all about? It's Navigate with ID. I have the honor and pleasure to be your presenter on this uh, beautiful um, show. And we've been looking at making life count as a theme for the month of August. And specifically, we've taken varied dimensions of that theme and expressed it in varied ways. So today, um, I decided to take you know a leap into the past, just like I did last week when I took some of those principles from the good book, from the scriptures, and also from some of the things that I read from Ray Dalio's uh, principles. Now, today is different because I'm leaning on some of my notes that I wrote coming out of... Um, my experience reading a book by Gary Kasparov. Uh, Gary Kasparov wrote a book many years ago. I bought mine in 2008 and I read it thereabout. And um, a few times I've had to, you know, revisit some chapters of that book. But more importantly, I like the book because I love the game of chess. It's one of the games that I, I really enjoy um, putting my fingers to and my mental capabilities and capacity to. So Kasparov wrote this book, How Life Imitates Chess. And it's very interesting that you look at it and say, really, so what is this about chess? And many of you might just wonder, okay, why is ID putting a song and dance about chess? It's pretty much the same way I'll talk about golf someday. But let's talk about chess for now. Let me describe how he put it. He said, we know computers calculate better than we do. So where does our success come from? He said, the answer is synthesis, the ability to combine creativity and calculation, art and science, into a whole that is much greater than the sum of its parts. Chess is a unique cognitive nexus, a place where art and science come together in the human mind and are then refined and improved by experience. There couldn't be any better way for you to talk about life without thinking about 
some intersection, some place where all the facets, art, science, human nature, everything comes to one junction of cognitive that you can describe as a cognitive nexus. And at that point in time, it relies on you applying everything and considering every facet as you make one move. That is why in the game of chess, you can see them play hours on ending because it's all around winning. It's about consequence management. It's about concentration, focus, determination, competence, mastery. And so coming from a grandmaster like Gary Kasparov, who became a world champion at the age of 22, at 21 was the first time he ventured into that space. And you need to go read the book to understand what I'm saying. So just before the program took a break, we took a pathway that gave us some understanding that all we need to do is to take on a plan. To make life count, you need to submit your entire being, understanding that God is first, that God has created you to be able to do something different for your generation and the world, you need to also come to the place of having what Kasparov calls strategy. But before I go into some of my lessons from the book, I want to take a quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson. He said, and I quote, The man who knows how will always have a job. The man who also knows why will always be his boss. So the man who knows how will always have a job. So if you are a handyman, you'll be carpenter. I'm not dissing carpenters. But you can use your hand. You can do stuff. You will always have a job. But the man who knows why he needs Carpentry in this particular space to drive the creativity will always be his boss. Because if the other man that actually knows how is able to understand why, that's important. That you must always not just sit at the how, you must know the why. Remember when I talked about at one point, I said it's about the head, the heart, and the hands. If you are one over three and you are consistently, your one over three is the hands only, without the head and the heart, you're just going to be a robot that is being controlled, meaning the remote control is somebody and your job is just to operate. But if you're not, then if you need the head and combine with the hands, then you know that innovation is at play. By the time you bring the heart, it means that innovation plus compassion will give you balanced judgment. So let's continue on that same stretch and see the place of strategy in making life count. One of the things I wrote, you know, coming from um, strategy with Kasparov, I'm using chess. There was something he wrote, and I this was where I appended it. He said that football, and to a lesser extent, hockey, were spectator sports that he grew up with in the then Russia. That beautiful game, which is still a beautiful game as football, is well known. Football is also one of the simplest games when it comes to the rules. Football is so simple, to be honest. Um, in terms of rules, it doesn't take long to figure out how to play simply by watching a few matches. It doesn't take long. But you go and figure out how to play cricket. You just take a ball and jump into certain things. It's, it doesn't take much. But for someone like me, I know if my son was trying to tell me about rugby, my son, 
He was in his rugby team in school then. Then I'll say to him, rugby, baseball, all those stuff, I say, I can anymore. I'm not sure I can say that. It's just the same way. It's just for you to understand the principle. I said, thank you. But the reality is that as simple as football is, the strategies of the game are deep and complex. The obvious aim is to score goals while preventing your opponent from doing the same. The best way to achieve this, however, is endlessly debatable. If I have two sets of fans here with me, they will get into debates endlessly. I'm a national team type person, football fan. I'm not so much into club football. But friends, when it comes to national teams, that has always been my own thing. So I can do all and trust God so that I can be at different World Cup tournaments. I didn't go to Russia because of my personal reasons in 2018. But I can tell you by the grace of God that proud to that, at least three to four World Cups, I've had the privilege of going and attending and, and going to watch matches live. So I hope to be in Qatar by God's grace in 2022, by God's grace, because that's the way I roll. But I want you to understand when I bring in the dimension of the national teams, hopefully I'll try to give that steer using the EPL and La Liga. But work with me first. I'm a national team type of person so that I can make my points clear. The traditional strategy of the Italian national team, the Azuris, for example, is defensive. If your opponent never scores, so that logic goes, you can never lose. Others like Asamba playing guys. Brazil had always been my team and it was very, very, very bad going to Brazil in 2014 and watching the semi-final match. My wife and I sat there in the stadium and we were like, we can't believe they are mauling Brazil this way. So Brazil had always been my team. But Brazil employs contrasting means to achieve the same end of outscoring their opponents. The Samba boys play free-flowing football and they attack. Do you know, over time, you never know that the Brazilian defense is tested. Why? Because the guys continuously come at you. Now, let me stretch this, and I hope I get it right. If I don't, just tweet at me and tell me, ID, you got it wrong. I believe when we step into the EPL, a team like Man City or Liverpool will be an attacking playing side. They are constantly on that pace. Whereas, when you talk about defensive play or parking the bus, you look like, okay, Burnley? Burnley is a chief of staff of defensive play. Once upon a time, when Jose Mourinho was the coach of Chelsea, I remember Chelsea used to play more defensive. But let's step into the La Liga. I'm using all of this to be able to express what I want to talk about when it comes to strategy. And remember, it's about making life count. How you make life count for you starts from how you plan. And it's all around strategy. How you approach people, what you do with people, what you do with the community, how you see our nation evolve is a function of your own lens and how you're going to be a contributor. So if we go to the La Liga, for instance, I believe that Barcelona, you know, and Real Madrid can be considered as attack, attack mechanism teams. Barcelona, one team that consistently will keep you on their toes. And it's quite interesting because once upon a time, we just went to that stadium of theirs. If you go to that stadium, you think it's as small as Chelsea Stadium. 
they look almost similar. I mean, in terms of size, Chelsea, I mean, the, the stadium where, where they both play, you'll think they're so small. But when those men come out, I mean, I'm talking just descriptively about Messi, he looks very small. But that guy can tear any defense at any point in time, but not the Atletico Madrid defense. Those guys are another form of defensive play. So, in the La Liga, on one hand, you have Atletico Madrid, defensive style. At the end of the day, okay, if you are going to score, you will not score more than one. But Barcelona can come so many times. But, guys, it's not going to be a wash. So, in like manner, when you look at playing chess, imagine learning how to play chess from a, a primer missing a few pages. What chess teaches you how to do is to set up the board and how to move and capture the enemy pieces, but gives nothing about checkmate, nothing about the end of the game. So let me bring this to real life. We are in August. Many of us have gone through the COVID series. We are still in it. But you must now begin to ask yourself some salient questions. Who is going to help you set up the new board? Who is going to help you set up the new pitch? The pitch we are about to go play on is not the pitch you can go with rubber studs. It's not a pitch you can use with hard studs. It's not a pitch you can use with aluminium. You need to understand the nature of the pitch to know what type of boots you're going to use to play that game. If you use a particular set of boots on a different kind of pitch, the tendency is that you will not score goals. In like manner, there is something about the end of the game when it comes to chess. So let me bring it in and say, what is the picture of life? We are saying Merry Christmas in December. What is your Christmas looking like now? What are you going to do to have a Merry Christmas? Look at all facets of your life. Family, work, personal development, finances, your own relationships, anyone and everyone. Right now, just like the game of chess, when you have never played before or you're starting from the scratch, that nobody will tell you that there is an enemy out there. There is definitely an enemy out there waiting. But if you do not have a strategy, then you will fall prey. Someone learning from such a small book of life could become very competent at being proficient in calculating and maneuvering. So we have things happening around us. So for example, we heard the government was going to seal the third mainland bridge for repairs for six months. How has that changed your mode of work, your mode of transiting? Some of us did not plan. We waited till the day, all of a sudden they said, you can't go there. I said, yay! I remember how I heard the news from the time the first whistle was blown. Did you start to plan? What was your strategy? You see how we miss certain things in our lives and we later blame people? Even if the whistle was not blown effectively in a medium that you know, but people would have been talking about it. So what did you hear? The bridge will be closed for six months for maintenance. You took it as one of those things. Then one day, the bridge gets closed and you're going to walk. What's the first excuse to your boss? Sir, it's because of third mainland. Sir, I couldn't go because of third mainland. Or your children say, Mommy, you didn't get us at school. It's because of third mainland. 
you now begin to make excuses simply because you failed to plan. At the end, just like the game of football, just like the game of chess, just like the game of basketball, life is a game. You can't just jump on the court and decide that you want to win. You must have had some measure of planning. In the course of that planning, you will have a strategy. Without a goal, each of the teams, whether team sport, individual sport, the play would be aimless. Without a goal, you cannot be proficient at maneuvering. One of the things that I heard when the whistle went through about Third Mainland was how am I going to find myself through this the next six months? And I had to devise a plan. And I had to restructure my entire calendar and meeting life to be able to test the waters. And so there are different sets to it. The first time it happened, the very first week, it took me close to four hours to get home. And that day I had uh, my friend Ebuka in the car with me. I saw him at the station and I gave him a ride. By the time we went through the bridge for three and a half hours, I said to myself, "Uh uh-uh, this is not going to work. And so I had to change strategy. And I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to hang out and stay till such and such a time. And that has come about to be effective because I had a plan B. So I'm not feeling the pinch like I did the first time because I didn't know what it was going to, but I had a plan. I said to myself, immediately I finish my program, I'll step on the accelerator, get on the bridge. I didn't even move out of Awolawa Road to get on the bridge. It took me close to three and a half hours to four to get home. Now, can I continue in that kind of life? The answer is no. It will impact health. So what did I do? I had a plan B. But the plan B did not come. It was there. It's called scenario planning. There is the old chess saying, a bad plan is better than no plan at all. It's more clever than true. Every step, every reaction, every decision has to be made with its place in your planning and clearly understood. Otherwise, my dear friends, you can't make any but the most obvious decisions without knowing for sure if they are really to your benefit. That is exactly what Gary Kasparov was talking about. It is even more important given the accelerated pace of the world we live in today. The world we live in today is so fast-paced that you can easily become obsolete in a matter of seconds, in a matter of, I don't know. So any one of you sitting down now and saying, ah, I cannot, ah, I cannot, ah, you will be there. The train has left the station. For you to make your life count, you need to have an adaptability mentality. Adapt, but in adapting, you must also understand the implications of where you are, where you are going, and what you need to do. It's about a mind revolution. You must have a revolution of your mind. Storm your mind down and say to yourself, I need to wake up. Call it a wake-up call, it's fine. Call it whatever you want, but I need you to start accelerating in a dimension that will tell you, just like a game of chess, where you have a six-game match of a rapid play, you can find yourself 
carrying six kondo, meaning a critical loss, just like the game of tennis. Three straight for women, two straight. In the game of chess, six straight. In the game of football, the goals tell you in some other sport, it will be the number of wickets, could be the number of baskets, and all of them end up somewhere. What do you intend to bank? How many goals do you want to score by the time we are saying Merry Christmas? When you start now, friends, to have a guided strategy, then it means that you are in the space. Also, it's important that you understand that even the players, who are the players around you? Who do you train with? In the game of boxing, you have a sparring partner. In the game of tennis, you do. Badminton, you do. These are games I'm very familiar with. Someone that you have to play with. Who are you sparring with? Who is encouraging you? Who is your accountability partner? Do you have a coach? Who is setting you down to tell you the truth about how to move from A to B? A coach is someone that will work on the inner skills you have and help you move from position A to position B. But it's very different from a mentor. A mentor is really going to sit in a place I have been there and I've walked this path before. I think you should consider this. What a coach will do is play in a consultative and advisory space or service. But a mentor is experiential. The difference between a coach and a mentor, and if you're lucky to have somebody who has both qualities, then you understand that you will make life count. If you play without long-term goals, your decisions will become purely reactive and you'll be playing your opponent's game, not your own. Whatever game that December wants to present, the picture has started. If you do not play now with a sense of that long-term perspective, you'll be playing your opponent's game. So as you jump from one new thing to the next, you'll be pulled off course. You'll continue to deviate. You'll be caught up in whatever is right in front of you instead of what you need to achieve. I'm saying to you, friends, that the picture of our nation is a picture of the people. The way we look so confused and bemused and battered is because the people are confused, amused. So stop blaming your leaders. They are just a product of who we are. The people. I've told you before, it takes a disciplined mind, disciplined thinking to produce disciplined actions. I mean, every day you go on the streets, you'll find law enforcement agents, whether police, military, customs these days, all of them, they go against the tide. They have a separate law for themselves because they are uniformed men. They have a separate rule of engagement. They only obey the chain of command. But at the end of the day, we are talking about one Nigeria. Why is it that we are not able to conquer? We can't conquer because our weakest link lies in the weakest place, which is in the mind. We need to transform our minds, reposition our minds, if we want to truly have a nation we will call a great one. Before I close, I want to close on this note. I, I saw a video that was just a summary of what made Singapore what it is. The man talked about M, talked about P, he 
talked about H. The M there was sitting in the place where everything around meritocracy will count, regardless. The P was being pragmatism and the H, honesty. If Nigeria is going to change, friends, whatever strategy we have, whatever plan we have, you and I must start from the place of meritocracy, not brothertocracy or sistertocracy or in-lawtocracy or religiontocracy or churchitocracy or mustitocracy. No! Meritocracy, regardless of what tribe, tongue, these positions are, we need the right people, right head, square pegs, square holes. Meritocracy, pragmatism. Pragmatism requires that it's a mix and match. You can take a capitalist form of loving your people, a socialist form with a communist form, no be one road, the enter market. A blend, a hybrid is what pragmatism brings. So you are practically applying different schools of thought in a place because Nigeria cannot be one size fits all. No, we are diverse. So it requires pragmatism in this form of leadership and action. And finally, 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 honesty. The H word, honest. How come it's so difficult for us to be honest? If we are going to make life count, honesty, they used to say growing up is the best policy. I used to see it on the back of buses then. Bolekaja, when I was growing up, was always written on the back of Danfo, honesty is the best policy. How did it become the best police? Because right now, starting from any place, from inside the house, your brother go to obtain you. Your own blood brother. I read an account where two brothers kidnapped their own brother so they could extort money from their grandfather. How? How did we get here? To make life count, friends, we have to go back and reset. The game of chess mimics life. So I'm asking those of you that are not chess players, join me on this journey of a new, and it's a, it's a new hobby that if you go practice the game of chess, maybe it will help us step back a bit and think. Because right now, most of us are not thinking and we expect things to happen. It won't happen. Thinkers help in building a viable venture that will allow operators move. At the end of the day, both the thinker, the operator, who come together and enjoy the booty of their efforts. That is what is going to restore glory to our fatherland. I believe with all of my heart that Nigeria will change, Nigeria will be saved, and Nigeria will become great again in my lifetime. If that is what you share in that dream too, then let's begin to do things differently. Thank you so much, friends. If you have any comments, feel free. Drop them on my timeline at I-D-Y-E-N-E-N-G across the social media platforms. And more importantly, if you have a question, go to the website, navigatewithid.com. I'll be there by God's grace on Thursday. Thank you so much. If you love what we are doing, just send us a word and let us reason together. God bless you. And that was Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds.